0: This is Interview with Paul Casey Poet, Leaside Lives episode 23. We're in the beautiful surrounds of UCC this evening, lovely summer's evening. I think the last couple of guests I interviewed were at the Lock and Fitzgerald Park. Does UCC, or has UCC been significant in your life as a writer, teacher, as a Corkonian? As a Corkonian has,
1: um, certainly, but I I, uh, wasn't in Cork for my formal education, so I didn't actually go here. Um, I taught here, and, uh, and I continue to teach on the ACE uh, program, uh, Creative Writing. Um, but I've been in and out of the university, various faculties, visiting poets usually. I'd say that's the, just the normal um, state of affairs or coming to events within or readings and, and what have you in, in, in all, all different parts of the university. So, But I, coming back over the years, I, I did used to love coming in and walking through the grounds. It's just such a, such a gorgeous yes. space, you know, um, with the river and uh, the trees—it really is um, a stunning uh, environment. Um, I, I do wish I, I had studied here formally. You know,
0: it's a really fabulous campus—one one of the best around, I'm sure. You are really well travelled yourself. I know. I was reading, in, in preparation for the interview. Like, obviously, you're, you're a proud Carconi and you were born here, but I think you spent half—or you have spent half your life in places such as South Africa, Zambia. I mean, I'm fascinated to to hear about your experience in Africa. did your family before you, do they trace their roots to Africa or how did you, or why did you move there? Mm-hmm. Well, i you know, um,
1: <clears throat> Finbar Cemetery up the road, as got all four of my grandparents in there, the yeah. Republic, near the Republican graveyard, right? So all eight of my great grandparents were from Munster. Um, my, both of my parents are born in Cork. Nice. You know, so uh, no, I definitely don't have any African roots. Uh, it was just literally part of that exodus when there was no work. You know, in the 60s and 70s, when I took my parents out of the country, uh, so we went. We were we went to England first, and from there, further job opportunities somehow took my dad to Zambia, and uh, he worked on the copper belt there. And we were actually sub, sub submerged or immersed submerged inside a a kind of a microcosm of Ireland. There's, there was a, a community of Irish people there, maybe three or four hundred people strong, but very closely knit. You know, yes. and from all around the country. So. So for those sort of 10 years, and even though I came back to school during those 10 years, I was boarding school in um, Kildare, um, all of our family friends were either from Galway or Limerick or, or Donegal or Belfast, you know, or Dublin. So we, we kind of had the news from all around the country, you know. <laughs> amazing, amazing. That
0: yeah. is amazing. And like, when you look back on that time, and though, is it filled with happy memories? It is, yeah
1: Zambia particularly yeah it's very serene you know it's one of the m- more peaceful countries of Africa it, it has had had poverty like most of Africa and not as extreme as as, um, as the worst places um, you know and it has had to deal with uh, pandemics yellow fever it is a really gorgeous place and uh, it was a good it was, I was lucky to, to grow up there a lot of wide spaces a lot of Sun a lot of swimming pools and I enjoyed it was it
0: in Africa where you discovered your love for poetry?
1: Uh, well, I think we left Zambia when I was like ten, you know, and I was at school here, um, actually between the ages of eight and eleven, and I was going back and forth. I see. Um, and and uh, my parents moved down to South Africa then, um, so I, I had been exposed to, to some poetry at school. In fact, it was during my eight, eight, nine years of age when I got f- my first books of poetry from from, from an aunt of mine who'd, who, who was living in London. Um, and so I, that's when I started reading it. Was I was here really? Um, and then when I was when I went when my parents moved to South Africa, and I followed them out there, and I went into school there. I spent most of my time trying to figuring out uh, the culture, the identity, language, and I, I forgot all about poetry completely. And in fact, uh, the kind of poetry we were k- shown at school, I didn't have any interest in to be honest. So I I. I uh, it was a big hiatus, a big gap between when I rediscovered it. Um, the first poetry I, that really hit me, I suppose, were the ancient uh, bardic Irish poems that I discovered online. You know, the the, American, the 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 old Irish poet poems that were translated by Douglas Hyde, and that got me tuned into it really. And but my and my mum always, you know, pushed me to read um, Yeats. She, she's a poet. She's she. Written at least 250 poems, you know. Um, so, Yeats and Keats from my mom, essentially, um, the, the Romantics. Um, and But I still, for many years, you know, even though I had an appreciation of poetry, thought that all poets were dead. Yes. It took me a very long time. It took me until my sort of, you know, late 20s, early 30s before I realized hang on, there's something alive about this
0: yes know. yes poets or people on the street i think that's really powerful as well i think it was fitting there that a, a plane just flew overhead quite low given we were talking about how you've traveled the world <laughs> i think you've also been to places like japan switzerland how many languages can you speak uh, officially six
1: amusing yeah but i mean they would ebb and flow you know yeah like um my Irish now would be much better once I'm in the gaeltacht for for a week or two. Sure. They, then everything clicks back into place, I start dreaming in it and, I, and, I, and I'm far more fluent than I, than I than I am when I just arrived there, not having been there for a couple of years. The same would be true for the other languages I speak you know yes. once you're away from them for a long time you, you start to lose vocabulary, uh, although you, you still tend to keep the you know, it's like riding a bicycle. You, get the ba- you keep the basics, you know.
0: That can only benefit your writing then, I'm sure, when you are learning other languages, immersing yourself in other cultures. And it probably comes through in your poetry, doesn't it, that, that you have travelled far and wide?
1: Um, I would say so, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I, I tend to, to usually write about the place that I'm in. Sometimes I'm transported and I start writing about, you know, based on memories of places that I've been to. But, but, you know, when I'm writing about the place I'm in, I, I usually reach for references that are, um, you know, perhaps universal, um, but, but not necessarily from the places that I've lived before. Sure. You know, sometimes they, they can be culturally specific, I guess, and, and you know, they, they can create confusion, if you like. Yes. So, um, yeah, I, I tend to try and keep it simple if I can.
0: O'Vale has been a real success story for you. I mean, for anyone who's listening who's not familiar with it, it is a, a wonderful poetry gathering organisation in Cork City Centre. meets once a month where poetry is, is celebrated, recited. Um, there are prompts given. There's a five-word challenge. Um, it's been a, a remarkable rise as well. How proud are you of O'Vale? And, I mean, given that you, you would have had to overcome various barriers as well like funding and and support and that but it's into its second decade now I think isn't
1: it? It is yeah yeah we we had our 15th um, anniversary there a couple of months ago. Extremely proud absolutely. I've always uh, felt a very strong draw to come back to Cork when I was living in in other countries and it was the only place that I realized I could ever end end up actually um, anchoring myself and I kept on moving from place to place for years and my, my, my parents are very proud Corkonians and All of my extended family were all around Cork, North Cork, South, East, West. All our holidays, we'd we'd be very connected with them all. And we're always very proud to speak about Cork when we were in other countries. So to be able to um, create something fairly unique, I think, that that has um, managed to stand the test of time and uh, that seems to um, have given meaning to a lot of people Mm -hmm. and uh, that has grown mushrooms essentially in size, uh, it does make me very proud, yeah.
0: I've attended some virtual events at Ovale during lockdown, and it was really enjoyable for someone who, you know, I rediscovered my love of poetry in lockdown. Started writing it, reading it, reading about it. Um, it's it's encouraging to see so many contemporary poets attending from from you know close to home, and it also has an international appeal, doesn't it? It
1: does. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, we've we've always had it on our agenda to to include uh, you know a variety of overseas voices you know and and um, genres as well to try and uh, expose um, local writers to as as much variety as possible about about what is possible in poetry what people are doing. Um, I mean from the outset we were we had 50 events per year for the first 13 years of Avail um, and that you know the last I suppose seven years of when it was uh, at fifty a year, we were ge- we were getting a- just over a hundred guest poets per year, mm-hmm. including the Winter Warmer Festival mm-hmm. in November. Um, and of those, twenty percent of them would be f- at least from um, from different continents. You know, um, so so our, the name the name the name kind of um, was spread ovale from mouth to mouth by word of mouth. You know, uh, from from poets who went, went back who had been visiting and told other poets who are visiting Europe to get in contact so um, we've had poets from all six continents we've had over a thousand guest poets at this point and it is very international the, the lockdown too um, gave us a new dimension of international interest uh-huh. uh, because of the online sure. uh, which is why we push to kind of make it hybrid now
0: and it's, it's a safe space as well for novices like me to go and read and just get into the habit of, of sharing work and hearing others isn't it you know it's whatever level of ability I guess you don't have to be published or celebrated you can just come along and, and join in
1: Exactly, exactly, you know um, a large part of the, the reason for doing it was because I really felt we needed spaces where people could feel safe and not intimidated by the you know, um, the kind of poetry we were, that were, excuse my language shoved down our throats when we were at school <laughs> yeah. um, so I wanted to create a, a space that was inclusive, non-threatening non-egotistical um, where people could come and just dip their toe in N- not feel any under any obligation, and 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 walk in and out the door as they like. So I think we've managed to do that. But it's not just me; it's it's a community of like-minded poets in the city that have gotten on board. Um, we have we have a board of uh, twelve local poets who are, who all work in various different industries, and most of them then alternate the the emceeing, the presenting. So the face and the personality of the event changes, you know, all throughout the year, every year,
0: which mm-hmm. is I think really important and going forward what are your what are your hopes for it and how can people support it i'm sure you always welcome like donations other ways of backing what are your hopes for it
1: yeah sure the financial struggles have, have obviously been a long slow uphill with small incremental increases from the various funding bodies that, that we get uh, support from um some of that has turned out to to have given us significant improvements now the last couple of years especially with capacity building the arts council suddenly were given a flood of money and we managed to get our hands on some of that so that's how we've gone hybrid we are hoping for for an increase in general funding from the arts council which they they say they've promised us I mean we can't we can't be asking the public or relying on the public really um you know to to be um especially now, just going to be economic downturn. You know, we have a donation jar at the event. People put a few bob in there if they want to. We're, we're, we're delighted with that. If people don't have anything, that's, that's fine as well. You know, sure we, we work with what we have at the end of the day. Yeah. You know,
0: you made a point there about poetry in school and how it's shoved down our throat. I, I can certainly relate to that. I mean, there were some poets or poems that came up junior short cycle, leaving short cycle that I really loved. Michael Longley certainly springs to mind. But is poetry taught taught wrong in Ireland, do you think? Paul I mean you've been around the world, you've, you've taught in various schools, colleges. are we doing it wrong in terms of how we teach it in, in primary secondary school? Yeah, that's a great question you know and it's a question I can I can also apply to, to the Irish
1: language actually because I've learned some different languages. Um, when, I, when I was learning Irish at school, I loved Irish, but most people were allergic to it because it was so grammar focused And the same thing with poetry, you know it was so focused on you know um, the old ancient, ye old middle English poets and, you know, you'd have to literally rewire your brain yeah. to understand. I mean, that, those kind of poems and that kind of language should be taught here, you know, in the university. At school, when you're learning a language, you should be learning to have fun, to speak it. Speak it, listen to it, to, to have practical, to walk away with some practical tools. Yeah. Um, do role play. The way they teach language is a second language, like TEFL very similar with poetry, you know, um, at least now, they, they have a lot more interesting poets on the, the Leaving Certs, you know, um, younger poets, poets from, you know...
0: Um uh, yeah, I think there are the appeared grief up here at one year, didn't she, on the Leaving Certs? Yes, yeah, oh, year. absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so there's contemporary poets, yeah.
1: There is, so there, there is an, an improvement there, mm-hmm. but they can, they can, you know, they can do a lot more. But I think teaching poetry is, you can't really teach poetry. I think, I think teachers, English teachers, feel a little bit out of their depth or unco- out of their comfort zone yes. when they have to somehow, you know, deliver insights into, into poetry at school, yes. you know. Yes. It's a hard approach, really, to understanding poetry rather than the one where um, take away from it whatever rings true for you, whatever resonates with you.
0: That's it, isn't it? Yeah, it's, there's something really freeing about that. You're not tied down to, you know rules as such. You can just enjoy it, celebrate it, write it, have fun with it, isn't it. What are you up to at the moment? So, I mean, it's been a busy few weeks and months, obviously, with poetry festivals. Uh, I know you're involved in the Unfinished Book of Poetry. How have the last few weeks been for you?
1: Yeah, it's a busy uh, transitional period, really, um, coming out of admin and teaching Mm -hmm. uh, and coordinating uh, into the summer. Summer, for me, is usually all about writing and reading. Uh, So, the Cork Poetry Festival, the timing is perfect because... You know, I can spend four days at that just drowning in beautiful different poetry registers from around the world and come out the tail end of it and I've got all my admin done for the, for the first half of the year anyway and I've got three months of literally reading and writing ahead of me with a bursary in my back pocket luckily.
0: So. Oh, that's wonderful to hear, Like that's, that must be a relief for a writer and I mean I'd imagine over the years you've had times where you, you get frustrated you get pissed off you, you might even think of dare I say drawing in the toll, but you have to have that resilience I guess Paul and you, clearly you have it like how how frustrating does it get at times and how good are you at dealing with setbacks well it gets
1: it gets crazy absolutely uh, how many times do you ask yourself you know how, how did I ever think that this was a good idea <laughs> you know poetry you know um, to do poetry you've got to be able to be fairly adaptable and and do everything related to it you know yeah, you know sure. so i um, it's a struggle but it's obviously something you've got to love if you don't really have a grasp for it then you know um, then it, it'll start to lose its, its you know importance mm-hmm. but, but um, if it really works for you it's, I, I, I don't know how it has such a strong grip on me but um, I've managed to to like all, all the different kinds of work jobs I do to make it possible to live as a working poet you know are all language related poetry related whether it's teaching Know, or editing, yes. um, or facilitating, you know, or doing workshops, whatever.
0: I wanted to ask as well about your your love of history. That's something that again features in your in your poetry, Paul. Is it is your love of history? Is it is it local history, Irish history, or is it you know very broad?
1: I have a broad love of history. Yeah. um
0: You know, even f- in films, I'd say historical fiction is is probably one of my
1: favourite genres because. While the, the, the fiction is going on, I'm, I'm just, you know, devouring the actual history and comparing it and learning yeah, yeah. about different as- aspects of global history. But um, for many years, you know, Irish history was, was certainly, you know, at the core of my interest in history. Even prehistory, I'm talking mythology. And I spent many years t- um, trying to decipher the the ancient texts, you know, La Borgabala Éireann, you know the Book of leinster you know um the Book of Ulster, um so many, the yellow book of Luke and like so many of them um that we now have very very accessible translations of, thanks to the u c c corpus of electronic texts actually mm-hmm. that's kind of what got me onto it and and then yeah from then i've've my interest is, has kept you know it's an ongoing uh, affair you have with history really because uh, the more you know the, the more you realize you're drowning there's there are more seas that that you don't even know about. Yes.
0: I love to ask guests what they're reading watching listening to at the moment historical dramas is that very much what you watch if you're watching TV
1: um, yeah not necessarily now I have a fairly wide uh, purview of interest you know in film you know I was involved in the film industry for a number of years and we promote poetry films actually at a avail um, at the moment uh, it's all poetry I've read 10 books poetry books in the last three weeks. And Ocean Vuong at the moment, Night Sky with Exit Wounds, mm-hmm. Plain Water by Anne Carson. Those are the two books that are that I'm just finishing off that are absolutely mind-blowing for me at the moment. And um, in terms of uh, historical fiction, I've been watching a series um, about the the rise of the Ottoman Empire and, and the precursor to that. It's actually, it's in about five or six seasons, hundreds of episodes of so the lockdown allow me to do this. <laughs> Uh, and it's all in Turkish with subtitles but um you know it it really um is absolutely a fascinating history and uh, it's given me a, a a strong understanding of islam which i which I was always very curious about you know um i'm 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 not particularly you know i don't sign up to any particular faith personally but i'm i'm of interest in all all of them
0: yeah you're not religious, shall we say, but do you have? belief that there's something out there, a higher power and afterlife? I'd love to hedge my bets just in case there isn't, you know (laughs) Um, I I, I would love to think there is, absolutely, of
1: course I I don't want it all to end Um, I'd love to think that the loved ones we've lost are you know, are are somehow you know, uh, living in some way or existing in some way now and and, and I would love to to think that we will too but um, at the same time you know, I I think I've I've uh, (laughs) made peace with the the idea that it might just all become nothing nothingness there might be something
0: there may not be something who knows really (laughs) on the note there you you spoke about uh, poetry films poetry it very much is a visual medium i know reading uh, virtual tides your collection you do experiment with form and uh, space on the page and that as well do you when you're performing uh, poetry do you still do you still get nervous do you
1: enjoy it I do get nervous, yeah. yeah, and that's part of the enjoyment, I think. You know, um, I, you know, poets come up to me and say before their readings, they, they say, I'm, ner- "I'm really, really nervous," and I, and I always say to them, "That's fantastic. That's exactly yeah. what you want. Yeah. You know, you, it, it keeps you on your toes. It, it, it's it's the source of the electricity that actually um, gives you know so much um, um, vibrancy and, and and power to the reading itself. I think it's and, and it just keeps you connected with the work." Um, if you're not nervous before a reading, the, then you're in trouble, yes. I think, you know, so I, yeah, I do get nervous, um, but one, once you're up there and you've said your first um, few lines, then it becomes very enjoyable actually. Uh, uh, you
0: know? Yeah, absolutely. What's your process like then? I, I'd love to know, are you writing virtually every day, um, morning time, night time, do you spend hours at the desk writing, does it vary again?
1: Yeah, for me it's seasonal, right. um, so between January and uh, May, uh, I can't do any writing because okay. um, the workload is, is just too intense. Uh, the same thing between early September and mid-December. Uh, so I so I only have like a month in the middle of winter, and then I have three months on the side of summer. And in those times, I literally try and make sure that I have absolutely nothing else to do but read and write. And it doesn't mean I'll be sitting reading and writing necessarily all day. I don't have a, you know, a set routine. Yeah. I do like to... Uh, get a bit early in the summer and get up early and um, you know, I like walking a lot and that helps with the writing um, I like reading a lot, that's half the writing as far as I'm concerned, is reading different different kinds of poetry Okay. Um, and then yeah um, trying to, in the summer I'd be writing, certainly writing every day Um, but it wouldn't necessarily be for hours you know sometimes that you get into it and it's just like that and the next thing you know the whole day is gone and you've actually been writing for eight hours yes but but uh, i I would never be able to kind of put that into a routine you know Mm -hmm. you
0: mentioned reading other poets there and other writers would that kind of be your top tip for aspiring poets to as well as making the time to write to read widely yeah absolutely it probably would be yeah
1: and also go to um go to places where you can hear other poets read yeah because um, that, that will inspire confidence as well, you know. Um, but but it's more important to to read and and listen to poets reading so that you start to build up in your tool belt what's possible in writing a poem, sure. you know. Um, and it gives you it gives you more options when you when you start exploring your own experiences and you know trying to get start getting creative with them.
0: Yes. What was the the draw of Cork when you were abroad? Paul, and what what is it that you love about about Cork the most now? Cork hurling team at the moment, especially oh, since well.
1: yeah, especially since yesterday. Those, those those first five minutes were hell, but uh, after that, I know. Sure, my, my dad played for Cork, and um, his father they both played with Christy Ring. My dad played with Christy oh. Ring for three years. Um, so we grew up with hurling. You know, even in Zambia, he started the Zambian hurling team, Amazing. and uh, he got um, the Iringas team to come out and play them. It was quite a you know, we were very steeped in it, even though we weren't here. I was It was instilled with the proudness of Cork from my parents, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, there's so much to love about it. My God, the music, the arts, the arts in Cork are is just incredible. Mm-hmm. And we have one of the best arts office, offices as well. Really invested arts officers um, in City Hall. The Lee, of course, I love rowing, I love the sea, the water. I love hiking and walking and the That's county, the Irish language. Um, and the history, the history of Cork is... It's gorgeous, a gorgeous one, the harbour. So much, so much, so much to uh, be um, grateful for. Mm-hmm.
0: Clearly, sport is an interest um, for you. So I know I came across a lovely poem of yours. I brought along as well. I'm hoping to get you to read it later. <laughs> it's called... Um, it's called Question of Memory, yes, and it is, it is sports-themed. So your, your dad's name, he played with Christy Ring, you said, for he Cork. well,
1: uh, he, he wasn't on the Cork team with Christy. He was under 21 playing for Cork when he was playing for Christy with uh, the Glen Rovers. He played with Christy for three years with the Glen Rovers, yeah, in the 60s yeah um many great stories I'm sure Jafer's huge stories I mean look my my granddad knew uh, Christie better um and uh, he used to call to the house and it would be a big thing for everyone when he came in the door you know yes. um, but uh, i I never met him I never met him unfortunately you know mm-hmm. um but um somehow did that, that's you know his the impact he had on 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 my dad and his brothers and um my granddad as well seems
0: to have filtered through. And once again, I think it's inspired your poetry because I, I know there's a poem called Question of Memory in your collection, Virtual Tides. That's the one I love as a, well, as a poetry lover, but as a, a sports enthusiast as well. Would you care to read it for us? Sure, well,
1: yeah. Question of Memory. When we won the five in a row, I played in goal just like my father and grandfather before me. And in five years, no slitter passed me by. They made me goalie of the century. I had women coming out my ears and houses bought and free pints for life and the statue was a mighty touch. I'm still my favourite audience. The more I remember, the more I start swelling with pride with all those great things I wish I'd done.
0: Wonderful. Thanks a million, Paul. I really love that poem. And it's um, it just evokes something like the the importance of sport to Irish people. I think... I think I did a workshop with Danny Denton a couple of years back and he spoke about, you know, if there's 100 people at a match, we each have a different story to tell or we recall it differently or, so, or you know, a player gets built up as a legendary figure, etc. That's a wonderful poem. I love it. Thank you, Paul. Are there other sports you're interested in or that you, you like to keep up with and follow?
1: Yeah, I, I, I watched a lot of rugby um, when I was in South Africa. I played schools rugby for five years, so I, I maintained that interest, and, and um, it's been great to see the rise of the Irish um, team over the past couple of decades. It's really, really, you know, mm-hmm. changed its game, which is, it's, you know, I, I wouldn't miss a match, I must say. And Munster, I, I follow Munster. Yes. Um, many sports occasionally. To be honest, I, I sometimes I flick through the flick through what's going on and see. Oh, gee, that's interesting. Bit of pool. Here's a nice soccer match. I, I might watch some of the top soccer games. Various sports too. I'd watch a hockey match. You know, I'd watch uh, uh, some American sports. A bit of baseball.
0: I, I like to. to to uh, shake it up When you're teaching you work with both young and old because you work with secondary school students obviously in the Unfinished Book of Poetry and then there's the nursing homes as well like I mean do you have to approach those groups differently with how you teach poetry? Oh absolutely yeah I haven't worked in one since um, before
1: the pandemic Um, everything shut down then and I haven't uh, really reverted as, as quickly as it bounced back as quickly as everyone else um very much so i mean when it's when it's young people you're, you're trying to to inspire them with what's possible by sharing them um, really fun interesting peculiar poems that they haven't probably come across before mm-hmm. and then giving them a kind of a task to a, a kind of a puzzle you know and uh, let them see how that fires their imaginations and let them go away with it but um, generally when you're dealing With um, elderly people in a in a in a a home environment in a in a a collective kind of nursing home environment, Um, a lot of them are infirm in different ways. Some of them can't see properly, or hear, or or even hear properly, or certainly not hold a pen. Possibly, so so it's really about um, sharing the poetry with with them. I find the the mnemonic aspect, the, the how it how it ignites their memories, is 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 more important than anything. You know. Um, so, a variety of poems that would, you know, I've actually built up these sets of, of poems, um, you know, also from around the world, um, in different registers, different kinds of po- poems, but nothing too modern, no modernistic, nothing too cryptic, okay. you know. Uh, including, and there are a lot of ones that they would remember from school, maybe, yes. and then um, maybe say a, a typical set uh, um, session would have twenty poems. And then what I would do is I'd have photocopies made for everyone, big, big script, so that each get a... that you take it away with them afterwards, all the poems. And then we would... I would just literally ask, you know, I'd read the first one or two, would anyone like to, to read one now? You know, and someone would go, oh, I want to read this one, you know? Yes. And then uh, that can have a domino kind of effect. Okay. And, and and often um, most of the of the people would try, most of the people would try and read one. Uh-huh. And then the, and we'd stop in between and allow for... A natural conversation to flow from, from what those poems mean to people individually and so, you know, I, yeah, I think it's very meaningful for them in, in, that, in that way. It's a very different too, different approach to working with teenagers. For yeah, time. yeah. Do you think there's a therapeutic possibility with poetry? I Always. I think there's always that. Um, and, and one poem can have different th- therapeutic effects on, on different people which is quite incredible. Um, I, I think it's is a, a, a very powerful um, belief in its ability to transform people, um, to completely transform people. You know, a, a great poem is one uh, when we've finished reading it, you're not the same person that you were when you started reading it. You know, um, and 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 I think all poems have that power for someone. You know, yes, um, absolutely. But the poem doesn't have to be therapeutic. It can be sheer joy it can be fun I suppose joy joy joy, could be considered you know as a bio, you know and then thera- therapy in itself but um, you know it's definitely definitely a, um, a one positive um, result of poetry is, is, is that it can change people's lives for the positive and help them to deal with things in ways that they, didn't, that they maybe didn't have the courage to think about or feel mm. about but they can see someone else can do it and it empowers them yeah
0: is that very much what makes you tick as a person so are you happiest like when you're teaching poetry and seeing someone discover it for the first time maybe
1: look I, I get very inspired by young people um, what they what they can do is just um, you know constantly astounding you know uh, you know but but um, what what makes me happiest and what what really makes me tick is knowing that I've got three months, <laughs> in summer, where I can walk and write and read. That, that that's it for me. Yeah. You know that really is what it's about for me. Yes. Um, but but I you know, sure I, I'm a sociable animal too. I've, I've got my friends. I have to hang out with my friends and enjoy them. Yes. So I'm lucky to have some really good ones, um, and spend time with the family and and all that. You know.
0: Absolutely. Do you have, have you set a target of another collection for yourself now for the end of this three month period? Is that what you're very much building towards? I think
1: ultimately, all the work that I'm that I've been doing the last few years are are moving towards a collection, but that collection doesn't doesn't have a theme or a concept, or and I'm putting no pressure on that. I, you know, I've got to. What I'm ha- collections that I'm very happy with, yeah. you know, in a chapbook. Um, so I don't feel the pressure that I have to come out with a. Some poets do f- put themselves under this, which I think is crazy pressure, uh, to to produce, and and I think it it can affect your work, you know, by doing that. I would rather just um, discover the next poem, um, and complete the next poem, you know, and maybe find a home for it in a journal or something. When enough of that has happened then suddenly you look at what you've got and go oh well hang on i've got the, bo- the bones of a collection here and you know I, I, i'm not at collection phase I'll, I'll, for my third collection yet okay.
0: but um it naturally will move towards that listen paul it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you um thank you for meeting me here at ucc this evening and uh, continued success with ovale which takes place uh, monthly at the hayloft bear upstairs in the long valley and it is second monday of every month yep. um, and we'll hopefully see you there soon thanks a million Jordan, thank you so much. Really, this has been great.